let us all stand. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the
I've seen a victory, I'm going to see victories from faith to faith, victory to victory. Amen. You have a victory today. You walked through the doors, the devil tried to keep you out. You won that victory. There's more to go. Amen. Love that Sunday school. You know, it's always that scripture says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. You know, some of you might think I'm a real devoted, devout, good Christian. And I appreciate that because I know. Amen. But I got to keep looking to him. I got a mirror in my house too, maybe one too many. But, uh, amen. Praise the Lord. It was a good Sunday school, and I'm just thankful for the presence of the Lord today. I needed that. Amen. Get up, little melancholy, looking at life, looking at different things, looking unto Jesus. Amen. If you have a request upon your heart this morning, I got a whole bunch of them, but he takes care of everyone. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. And Lord, we're thankful for the visitors in our midst. And Lord, we're expecting a special guest of honor this morning. And that's you. We all came for the same thing, Lord, to draw closer to you. I pray that you would be pleased this morning. Father, those that would be streaming, Lord, let there be a presence amongst us today of victory. Lord, we thank you for the tithes and offerings, Father, that the bounty that you've given to us, and we pray that you accept our offerings, Father, from a cheerful heart. Bless you people, Father, I thank you for your presence today. And as our brother prayed, Lord, the greatest form of worship, let us receive all that you have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand, man. You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good Turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good Turn it for good You take You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good Turn it for good I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory Born of the water, spirit, and the blood. Thank God I'm born. 
born again Born of the water, spirit and the blood Thank God I'm born again Born of the water, spirit and the blood Thank God I'm born again Born of the water, spirit and the blood
God bless you all. Sister Deb's going to help me out with this song this morning. A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who've gone before us, and all who will believe, will sing the song. Your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above them all, all thrones and dominions, all powers and
Amen. We're going to give Brother John to give us a song while he's up. Amen. Let's give him a hand. Amen. y'all this morning y'all know this helping oh some glad morning when this life is over I fly away
Sophia F., I think it was. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and daughters sing. I'm surrendering my all. I surrender to the King. Let the worshiper arise. Let the son and daughter sing. I surrender my all. I surrender to the king. Father, I see that you are drawing a line in the sand. want to be standing on your side, holding your hand. Let your kingdom come. Let it live in me. This is my prayer. This is my plea. Let the worshiper arise. Oh, let the sun and daughter see. I surrender my all. I surrender to the King. Let's worship a little bit this morning. Let the worshiper arise. Let the sun and daughter sing. I'm surrendering my life. I surrender to the King. Father, I hear that you are growing. Climb in the sand. Wanna be standing on your side. Holding your hand. Let your kingdom come. Let it live in me. This is my prayer. This is my plea. Let the worshiper Surrender to the King. One more time. Let the worshiper arise. Let the worshiper arise. Oh, let the sun and order sing. I surrender my all. I surrender. How many willing to surrender 
Amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand. Amen. How many is ready for the word? Amen. Let's sing a little bit of It Reaches to the Highest Mountain, the key of G, I believe. The blood that Jesus shed for me. Bless that wonderful name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we'll save that. God bless you. We greet you this morning. I'm going to invite you straight away into the book of Colossians, the third chapter. And we're just going to read um, a few. I'm going to take one verse out of three different places. Uh, two of them will go in Colossians 3, then Colossians 4, then 1 Peter 5. Amen. You love the Lord? Praise God. 
Colossians 3.17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. On over into the fourth chapter, Colossians 4 and 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter 5, a single verse again. Verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word as you have your seats. Amen. I'm going to expand on those uh, just in a few minutes as we get going here, but I just wanted to... uh, Amen. Greet y'all in the name of the Lord. Tice, good to see you. Amen. Good to have Sister Nicole here from Phoenix. God bless you, sis. Jeff, good to see you, buddy. Amen. Where's Milo? Make him look at me. Milo, up here, buddy. God bless you. Amen. Happy to have him and other different visitors I see here. God bless you today. God bless you all. We greet you in the name of the Lord. And if I'm overlooking you, that's normal. So just trust me. My church knows that. Amen. Uh, but uh, we love the Lord. And uh, uh, today I, I thought to myself, I was in the back room and I said, you know, I think I'm going to come out and start some new doctrines in the message. <laughs> and I'm going to figure out how to line up some scriptures and line up some quotes and put them all together. And I'm going to call the first doctrine, uh, the brother Steve and sister Emily can't go to Idaho for a month doctrine. <laughs> And the next one, and this one's probably going to get me in more trouble, the Bowmans should live in Beaufort Doctrine. (laughs) Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. So we're we're happy in the Lord. Amen. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ike and Daniel are here today. Where you at, guys? Here's Isaac, Daniel. I'd have them stand up, but they would make the lights go dim if they stood up. Amen. So we praise the Lord for that. Amen. And um, happy to have all of you here and visiting with us. Amen. God bless you. Now, I want to look back um, in our verses that we were reading for our opening text. And in just in a moment... um, Sister Esther, just in a moment, we're going to catch Philippians 4, but just wait for my signal. So, I, you know, I, 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 would, I would say today that this sermon is a little bit different <clears throat> in that, for a number of reasons, uh, I'm preaching on life by natural causes. Now, it's odd because I, I gave up that title months and months ago, even last year, and said, hey, I'm working on a sermon, I'm going to call it Life by Natural Causes. But I, and I made some points out of that, and I don't know if I'm going to repeat some of them today. I didn't go back, because I don't even know where I said that, but I know I didn't preach what I'm going to be preaching today 
um, and, I, and just the way it came. So this has probably been one of the longest building sermons in a long time. And I found it striking, um, and I can just only say supernatural, uh, that Brother Matt would preach the Sunday school class he preached today. And I told him, I said, because I, I walked in after he'd read his text, I said, Matt, did you read out of Romans 7? Because if he had said yes, I was going to accuse him of thievery. I was going to, I said, well, the only thing, and he didn't. And I said, well, did you, I said, what was your opening text? And he was back in, in the Old Testament. I said, well, did you get to Romans 7? No. I said, good. I said, so I was either concluding after listening to his sermon this morning for the Sunday school class that either he is a hacker and he hacked my computer or the same being that has been dealing with me went to see him as well. So I'm going to go with the latter. Amen. Although it's flipped upside down, he got to start, so um, we're, we're going to just build off of that. And so having taken this many months, all the way from last year, to develop this sermon, you can imagine how ironic it feels to me. Did, did I use the ironic correctly? Uriah. <laughs> Uriah and I have been having this discussion over the use, proper use of the word ironic. But to me, you know, uh, it just seems bizarre. Let me change it that way. But I, I just conclude that it's the Lord. And I want you to notice in, in Colossians 3, and you don't have to turn back there. We're getting ready to go to Philippians 4. But the, the point is, and this is another reason why this sermon is a little bit different for me. Because, and I, it's the kind I enjoy. It's a little more on the practical side. Those are actually my favorite kind to preach, and I don't often get to preach them. And so, uh, but... You know, it starts out with you talking about something practical whatsoever you do or say. Everything that you say and do ought to be able to be uh, approved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you ought to be able to put his name as a stamp of approval on your actions. So that means, and that, that's... You say, oh, goodness, Brother Jason, you're going to get into our business today. Paul already did. I'm just stirring you up by way of remembrance. Paul already told you this 20 centuries ago, that however you live, however you dress, how, wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you say, ought to have the stamp of approval of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, remember that a manifestation of the name of God is the word interpreted. So God interprets his word by bringing it to pass. So by the way you claim to be a Christian and the way you live and do and think and say, uh, that you're saying to the world, I am the interpretation of the name of God. And if that's not true, Brother Branham said, then stop calling yourself a Christian. Because you end up bringing a disgrace. And so he, but I, but I, I want to leapfrog over that today. I'm not going to cabbage down on that. It, Paul's words here need no addition. They're pretty straightforward. But what he ends with is do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then he has this addendum, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So, and then when he goes into Colossians 4, continue in prayer, <clears throat> And watch in the same with thanksgiving. All right, so they're, they're, 
So now Paul is starting to tell us, in my mind, he's telling us not just how to act and how to speak, but how to think. That we ought to have grateful hearts to the Lord and our lives ought to be an expression of our gratitude. Would you agree with me? So then, you know, Peter gives us these very comforting words. Cast all your care upon him for he careth you. Now, the reason I'm emphasizing that scripture is because, you know, if you heard Brother Matt's uh, Sunday school class and you're about to hear me go on into this, you know, you're going to find out and you have already found out and you're going to find out more that even with a new birth, the sin nature remains in your flesh. Amen. And that's the problem. As, as, as the, old, uh, you know, the old saying, we have seen the enemy, and it is us. Amen. You know, the, the man in the mirror is, Brother Branham said, that's my biggest enemy is that guy. And he said, if, if I can just get him out of the way, then the Lord can, can direct things according to his glory. So, you know, and that really is the rub. That's what causes the believer so much anguish of soul is that, You know, we find ourselves falling short of the mark, of the prize, of the high calling. And we find ourselves not really living to the standard of a high calling, and that's grievous to a born-again child of God. So, you know, then it comes back around full circle. What do I do about it? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. As Brother Matt was saying this morning, he knows that's your condition. You didn't even volunteer to come that way. The Bible says you were subjected to it by him. Amen. See? So God, in order to be a... Re- Brother Brandon would say it like this, and it's a profound statement, that God would predestinate a man to need salvation in order to give himself reason and purpose for being. See? So, so th- this is all, you just remember, this is all his plan. It's all his message or his people. Uh, it, 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 the whole thing is about him. And, and I'll promise you that living for him, Jesus never said it would be easy, but he did say it would be worth it. And I will promise you that it's worth it. No matter what labors you have to endure here, no matter what part of the Satan's Eden you have to write off and forget it and let the world call you crazy for doing it, but you've already set your vision to things above. You've already, your heart is already there and you're ready to work for the master. And I can tell you, as I've often said, the retirement is out of this world. <laughs> Amen. So, all right, Sister Esther, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now, I'm reading from the the, uh, New King James Version. So, if you have that, Sister Esther, if you can flip that for me. The, N, the NKJV, the, the NKJV, I want to read that. I meant to tell you that already. <clears throat> I'm going to start again. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Amen. All right? So now, uh, l- let me say it like this, that, that if... It, this, these passages that you're reading 
And we're going to find out that the Lord is at hand. And he's going to emphasize that more on down in verses 8 and what more. But I want you to realize that these are instructions for when the Lord is at hand. These are instructions for the end time. Now, there have been instructions for the church. Don't get me wrong. There have been instructions since, since Paul penned them to the Philippian church. But everything we read, you're, you're living in the age of, of a zenith, of everything. Everything comes to full maturity in this age. The church, the world, Christ, the word, the antichrist, the antiword. The, the, the faith goes perfect. The minds of men go insane. You understand? Satan takes over the world. Christ takes over his bride. The world has the mind of Satan. The bride has the mind of Christ. Amen? So there's a stark difference. That's why, that, that's why it is... Um, it is it, it, what word would I want to use and not sound harsh or insulting? But let, let me just say that there's no way, given what I just said, the, the, the difference is so stark... They're reaching such a zenith. They have grown so far apart. Christ and the Antichrist are so polarized at this stage. Now, in the ages, it was, uh, it was mongrelized. It was a hybrid. It was an admixture, to use Brother Branham's word, of truth and error. And Christ winked at that sitting in the eternities interceding for his church. But he cometh, like Paul said to the Jews at the end of their age, there was a time when he winked at that, that ignorance. You kept bringing in bulls and goats and turtle doves and lambs and all that kind of stuff, and he sanctioned it. But you were never supposed to stay there. That was only speaking of the lamb that would come. And now that he's come, you actually now need to come to the new birth. And 1,600 years of animal sacrifice is now going to be moot. It's going to be done away with. It's no longer going to count, and I won't, I won't, acknowledge your observation under that old system. You've got to come up to where the lamb is now and be born again. You must repent. See? Say, so, well, didn't they have to repent in the Old Testament? It wouldn't have mattered because they, they, they brought their lamb and they got a, a, you know, a, a substitution where God just covered over their sin and, and, and his grace stayed on them. But those animal sacrifices never converted them. Amen. It never, so repent means to turn and go the opposite direction. If you don't have a new birth, you can't sustain that very long. Amen. See, Amen. you've got to have a nature change on the inside. You are a th triune being. You've got a flesh that has your, 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 Brother Bradham called them inlets and outlets. And, you know, you have the inlets of, your, of this. You have your touch and your eyesight and your hearing, your smell and your taste. But then you also have outlets in your spirit, which is memory, affection, conscience, imagination. I mean, all of these things, conscience, memory, affection, imagination, these things are, are outlets that, that steer the body. And you make those decisions in your heart where the spirit lives, see? And inside of that spirit is either a fallen nature that you were born with or, it, or it's that old nature has been annihilated by the Holy Ghost in a new birth and now there's a new nature which is no longer the one you were born with. That soul, that new nature is now the life of God himself. 
And now your thinking is informed by your new nature and thus you act different, live different, go different, speak different. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that easy? It's not complicated. <coughs> so so we, we, we're going to get to Romans 7 here in a minute. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so, but here in Philippians 4, where we're at right now, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So the point I wanted to make was that there's just no way, given the stark difference between being born again and what the world is, there's really no grounds for living a half Christian life. You're just not born again. See? Or if you've ever had a new birth experience, you've let it get, you've let that flame get so low and you've so cold because you've let you've let Satan entice that man in the mirror to fill up your life with carnality, blocking out the sunlight of God's word, and you've been excellent in doing it, and now your life is filled with carnality. <clears throat> See? And so, you know, I, I, I want to keep going. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So we're looking now at the end time. The end time calls for you to be either hot or cold. See? So he says in verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Now, the, the King James says be careful, but the New King James, if you look at the Greek, the anxious is actually a better word. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So that is a sure sign that the peace of God is working in your heart because it surpasses understanding. Your situation that's causing you the anxiety may not have changed at all. But somehow you have the peace of God in all of it. Your circumstance may, may, may not have abated. In fact, is you want to talk about something that's hard to explain. And this is, the, uh, this is what gives the devil a migraine. Is that he, the harder he makes it on you, the more peaceful you become, the more you trust God. And that is so counterintuitive to him, he cannot figure that out, see? And that's why Brother Branham said he cannot impersonate that life. He can impersonate any of the gifts, but he cannot impersonate the new, the new birth. And he, he doesn't understand how that, that life of God gets inside of you. He reads the doctrine. He knows how it happens doctrinally. You understand how it happens doctrinally. I understand how it happens doctrinally. I had a gene of God and two omnipotents met. And the life in the seed came to life, annihilated the old nature. I understand that doctrinally, but it's a whole new world when it, I experienced it. I, I, I read books about having kids, but when I had my own children, that was a whole new world. <laughs> and every grandparent knows that opens a door you didn't even know was there. And you thought there were all, the, all your doors of love were open and then grandkids come along and you wonder if you've ever loved anybody. <laughs> it's the truth. My grandkids know it, take advantage of it. <laughs> 
I'm definitely a, a, a sap, and I love it. Not planning to change. <clears throat> Verse 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I want to look into Romans 7, uh, 14. And we will go down through... I'm not going to read it all. Uh, let me just go down, uh, go 14 through uh, maybe 24, 25, somewhere down in there. <clears throat> 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. You get that? Paul is just saying, because Paul's born again here. This, isn't, this is not prior to Paul's new birth experience. Paul is saying this to believers. He's, he's acknowledging all he's, he's not, he's not saying I'm a secret sinner. He's saying I still got sin in my flesh. I still have the greatest battle ever fought to fight. Just because I got the Holy Ghost, I can't just, it's not a vacation from here. As I've heard me say, I'm not going down to the docks uh, to wait on the old ship of Zion and set on my luggage. I, I've got to fight if I must win. Amen. Shall others, uh, as Brother Branham talks about that great poem, you know, they sail the, the bloody seas, you know, shall I have a life of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Would you even want that? I don't want that. I want to do my part. I want to stand in that redeemed crowd on the other side and say, I fought also. Hallelujah. I don't want to be wishy-washy. I don't want a shortcut. I don't want a treaty with the devil. I don't want a truce or an armistice or a ceasefire. If he stops shooting, I'll keep shooting. Say, why are you so mad at the devil? I want him dead. He's tortured God's family long enough. So Paul is breaking into this fact that the sin nature, even after the new birth, remains in your flesh, and you have to keep your guard up over it. You're born with different propensities to various weaknesses. We're all like that. And, and, and a lot of times they say, well, this certain thing, the person was born with it. You know, it's in their genes. Sure, in your fallen nature, of course, you need regened. See? So we all have certain propensities to certain different things. I went through that before and explained it. Uh, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So that's the rub. That's the, that's the grind. The law is spiritual, but man, this carnal flesh. For that which I do, I allow not. Now, I, I, in other words, I do things I know better than. For what I would, that do I not. The things I know I ought to do, I find myself too lazy to do them. See? But, but what I hate, that do I. I mean, can you, can you just, you know, I just know how when I read that, and I just say, yep, mm, mm. I can just see Paul laying down his pen. Mm, mm. See? So here's some logic. If then I do that which I would not, if I'm constantly doing what I know better, I shouldn't do it, then I consent to the law that it is good. In other words, I know there's a higher power and a higher life that I ought to live. And it bothers me when I don't. I consent to the law that it is good. Now, 
so, so, and the next point is that Paul is taking ownership and he's, he's exonerating God. Because the fact that I know I shouldn't do it, that I know God is holy and I can't blame him. See? Now then it is no more. Here's his relief. This is his relief valve. This is how he lets off the pressure. If then I do that which I would not, I consent to law that is good. Verse 17. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. That's good. I can get some separation there. See? I can go to the Lord in, in prayer and say, Lord, you know I didn't mean to do that. I got trapped into it. I was weak, a moment of weakness. Maybe it wasn't prayed up enough. Maybe whatever. But I don't want to be like that. Forgive me. And the Bible says, if we ask for his forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive. Amen. See? For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Take that, Satan. I'm a believer. I don't want a sinful life. Say, now, now that you're a Christian, can you do anything you want? You better believe it. I only do what I want, and the only time I do what I don't want is when I stumble and make a mistake. Living the life of a Christian is joy unspeakable and full of glory. So Paul says, here's my conclusion. I find then a law. This is helping you. This is going to help you understand you. I find a law that when I would do good, evil is still present with me. See, still right here. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. The inward man is a different man than the outward man. See, but I see another law in my members that he's already identified. That's his flesh, warring against the law of my mind. That, that, that converted nature. And, and that's why Brother Brandon would say this, this, that, or the other. My Holy Ghost would keep me from that. Of course he will. doesn't mean he's going to force you to not stumble. But he's never, gonna go, <clears throat> never going to go along with it. Right. And he's going to convict you constantly. Not The Lord doesn't condemn his family. He condemns sin. You've already passed from death to life. You're no more can come to the judgment. Sin is no longer he that's that's born of God hath no more conscience of sin. See, his nature's been changed. He has no more desire of sin. But but yet it still exists in the flesh. But I, I, I don't take my delight in living carnally. I take my delight in living spiritually. But I do see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Now, verse 24. Excuse me, that's a a cough from several weeks ago. I can't seem to get rid of it. But the devil's a liar anyway. So, So now, you know, some people are, are known to have 
quite a high estimate of themselves. And for those, this 24th verse will help you. <laughs> oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? When you're feeling all self-righteous and everybody around you is a bunch of sinners, can you please go read this 24th verse? So we don't have to suffer through your arrogant self-righteousness. <laughs> oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God. I thank God there's an answer. This, he didn't leave us in a conundrum. He gives an answer. I hate it. Somebody gives me a problem. Don't give me the answer. Why'd you give me the problem? Now I'm going to lose sleep. Give me the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Amen? Now, the, 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 the beauty, let, let's go on down into chapter 8, um, Sister Esther. Let's, let's go into chapter 8. I love this. Having said everything that he has said, he's now about, about to tell you this is why there's no condemnation now for you, even if you have made a mistake, because you can repent. So he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, Amen. who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Rejoice, friends. Rejoice. Just rejoice. Let off the pressure. I could dismiss right here with Matt, with Matt Smith's Sunday school and this lesson to this point, and, and, I, and I've only been going 28 minutes uh, you can just let off the pressure. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to them which are in Christ. You are quite unindictable. Amen? Because you've already passed from death to life. And the only thing the Lord is convicting you for is to bring you back to fervency. So, for the law, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, he knew I couldn't keep the law, and that's why God gave it to man to prove to him he couldn't keep it. The, the law was a, a, a decision the people decided they wanted. Brother Branham said they left uh, Egypt under the pillar of fire that a cloud by day, a fire by night. That's the angel of the covenant. That's the angel of the Lord in the camp. God, had, God knew they were stiff-necked. He knew they weren't born again of the Holy Ghost. He, he tells Moses, I can't, you know, I can't live among them or I'll, I'll slay everybody, but I'll send my angel and he'll come among you, see. So that, that's the difference you get over the book of Revelation after the millennium and the new heavens and the new earth. The Bible finally says, finally, at the end of the Bible, God himself shall dwell. So he doesn't need an office to do that anymore. And so the, the whole earth is redeemed. The people are redeemed. The atmospheres are redeemed. The heavens are redeemed. Satan's dead. His demons are dead. Sin is gone. Sinners are gone. Hallelujah. So right now we need the Holy Ghost living inside of us. See? So he says, <clears throat> so, so now the, the law couldn't, the, 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 Paul takes that up on into Romans, 
how that Satan, that crafty slicker, used the word of God that was meant for life. He took the law, something that was good. It came from God, for goodness sake. And it's all good. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal all these different things. And, and honor your father and mother and all these things. Keep the Sabbath holy. These are all good things. They're meant for life. But Satan, knowing how the science worked, he knew that, you, that God's people, even God's people, even Moses, even Joshua, were living in a sinful body that didn't have a new birth on the inside. And therefore, so, so Paul says he, he, he took advantage. There was nothing wrong with the law. The problem was within the people, God's family. And so he says, that thing which was meant for life became death unto me. So that's why Jesus, the beauty of this scripture is, is that for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. He took all your bad that you've ever done, will do in the future and nailed it to his cross. And he took the law, the book of ordinances that was against me and nailed it to his cross. That's why Brother Brandon would say the most astonishing statement a preacher of the gospel could say. And he said, God will never condemn a man for being a sinner. Because he was born a sinner. God's not evil. He's not unjust. He'll never condemn a man for being a sinner. The man was born a sinner. God knows that. He said, what will condemn the man is that he remained a sinner when he did not have to. That Christ came and for sin condemned sin so that you could be free. And he went to Calvary and, and prophet said, God convicted him, condemned him, convicted him as a sinner and sent him to hell. So I won't have to go. So you won't have to go. Your family won't ever have to go. The love of God shed abroad. See, verse four, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk. Here's the key. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, those who have been willing to be born again. And then let the spirit of God lead their life. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That's pretty obvious to see. That's pretty blatant. That's the thing that keeps pastors up at night and keeps them on their knees. Is, is God's family living after the flesh and minding the things of the flesh when they ought not to. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Stay, you know, just don't come to the new birth, and that's death. Prophet said, you're not even living until you are born again. You're just dying. Say, well, I am, I am not. You are too. You're dying. Physically, you're dying. You're perishing. You don't have eternal life. This body is going to lay down. The only people that, that won't ever lay down in death are those who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. Every man born has an appointment with death. See? And so if you never give your heart to the Lord and never let him convert that nature, you're just going to go on to where you're already going. But if you'll let the Lord, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
That's life. When you allow the Holy Spirit to re recreate you and make you a brand new unit. Not join a church. That can almost make you worse. Because then you're just piling up stones of unconverted people. And Proverbs said you'd be better to leave them out there because then they know they're wrong and God can deal with them. You bring them in a church, put their name on a book, shake a preacher's hand, put them in the choir. They think they're saved when they're not. And then God can't even help them and deal with them because they already think they have it. They're blind. See? She's, she's, she's blind and says, I have need of nothing. That's the spirit of the age. Thou art wretched and poor and miserable and blind and naked. And you say, I have need of nothing, when actually you have nothing. Because when you have eternal life, you have everything. Even if in this fleshly life you have nothing, you have everything. So, so he says, here, here it is, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. See, so you, you can't know God just by a mental experience. You've got to do more than just admire the fine qualities of Jesus and call yourself a Christian. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, so it, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It's enmity. It's, it'll never agree with God's word, see. Verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It wouldn't matter your works. wouldn't matter how many hospitals and orphanages you build. It wouldn't matter how, how honest you are on your taxes or you feed the neighbor's dog. That's not going to help you with eternal life. You're going to reap. You, you sow, you reap. If you sow good, you'll reap good. You give, God will command people to give to you. But as far as eternal value... Again, you've got to be, Jesus said you must be born again. Amen. So then, verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Amen. That's tough. Yeah. Man, that's tough. Amen. That's just straight. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, <clears throat> he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, now he's going to flip it to the other side. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. All your desires are now for Christ. Just like a, 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 a lot of times marriages are, end up on the rocks because first on the man, he, he never actually leaves father and mother and cleaves to his wife. And he lets mom and dad run his marriage. <clears throat> On the girl, she never accepts God's word that her desires are to be to her husband. And all of her dreams and all of her plans, even her, even her name become now changed and subject to his leadership. So you've got men falling on one side, women falling on the other side. That is a recipe for disaster. Amen. So, so, so that, that's, a, that's an important point for brothers and for sisters. Your identity is lost in the identity of a godly man. If he's not a godly man, don't marry him. Don't marry him. That's a recipe for hell on earth. <clears throat> See? So, so and, and, that's, and, that's, and that's exactly why 
it is the, I'm here to tell you something, 75, this is a statistic, 75% of all divorces are initiated by the wife. Three out of every four. See? What does that say about the weakness of men that they're married to? And, and a woman is naturally wired to be led that way. She might be a women's lib, but the Holy Spirit will take that out of her and show her her real nature. See? Whoa, it got quiet. Let me move on, Lord, please. <clears throat> It wasn't in my notes. That's free. Thank you. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. The spirit of life, and, but the spirit of life is, is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That's not just on rapture day. That's not just changing your, uh, your body. That's bringing your body now subject to the word of God. Amen. Willingly, freely, of your own new will. Right. See, not against your will. So, so it becomes pretty clear. Thank you, Sister Esther. So it becomes pretty clear that if you're, it's clear that you're going to need a new life inside of you if you plan to walk in and out of the city of God. I, don't, I didn't know how to put it plainer, so that's how I wrote it. It's pretty clear that you're going to need a new life inside of you if you plan to walk into the city of God. Walk in, walk out, walk back in. That's what I want. That's the life I'm looking for. It's what I'm living for. It's what Abraham was looking for, a city whose builder and maker was God. See? So Paul makes it clear that, that the life from your natural birth is no good. And, since the, and, and not only that the life, and catch I say this, not only is, the, is the, the life of your natural birth no good, it's going to require a supernatural experience. Because the life of your natural birth is no good for getting into the city of God. You're going to have to have a supernatural experience. And of course, the leading question of believers... Gracious, since the first make-believers showed up in the early church in Jerusalem, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, the leading question of believers for 20 centuries has been, what is the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And, and what am I looking for? And how do I know when it happens? Young people have this question. And this question is needlessly hard and difficult. It's needlessly difficult because the promise is easy and God wants to give that to you more than you want to receive it. And all you have to do is repent. And, and that means make a complete willing to die out to everything in the world and say, Lord, I'm tired of being me. I want to be you. I don't want to be me anymore. I want a completely new life. I'm repenting. I'm turning away from all my former life. And then Peter said, then the promise is to you. And it'll work for your children. And it'll work for theirs. And as many as the Lord our God shall ever call for 2,000 years. That'll always be the formula. It's not hard to get. It, it's just been, there's been so much uh, confusion. And I, I'm not here to condemn 
you know, uh, I grew up through a lot of confusion and, and, and things. And the reason I can see why it is because you have to understand that the early church started with the pure word. We've had to be restored back piecemeal through hundreds of years. So we had to come through Luther's justification and Satan had 100 years to, cl- to muddy the water. Then Wesley's sanctification, and Satan has had hundreds of years to muddy the water. Then the Azusa experience, and Satan has had uh, more than 100 years to muddy the water. And then the opening of the word, and now Satan is still muddying the water. See? So, uh, So I get it, but... You know, what am I looking for and how do I know when it happens? Can I, can I make a statement to you? I don't know if I would make this statement in, in another man's pulpit unless I just knew him very well, but I have a right to say it here. Seeking a preconceived experience is folly. Amen. Expecting to come up and I'm going to have this kind of a sensation or this kind of an emotion or if I have this experience, if I shout, Brother Branham says, will I shout? He said, you might do that and you might not. Will I speak in tongues? You might do that and you might not. Will this happen? You might, that might, and it might not. He says, but one thing for sure is you will come subject to the word of God. So I would say to you today that seeking a preconceived experience is folly, it's counterproductive, it's distracting, and ultimately self-defeating. And I've seen young people defeated by it decade after decade after decade. Let me tell you, I'm going to set the record straight. What do I seek for, Brother Jason? Seek from the Lord an experience which will change your old nature and place the love of God in your heart. And change your desires and your whole life. (laughs) Something that will put the love of God in your heart. You might sit here today and say, but I already love God. Listen to me. You listening? There is a life-changing difference. Is that a big one? Would that be pretty big in your mind if it's life-changing? There's a life-changing difference between having a love for God and having the love of God. I'm, I'm telling you, get the love of God. Say, I already have a love for God. There's a big difference between having a love for God. Charismatics have a love for God. Pentecostals have a love for God. Evangelicals have a love for God. They're not faking that. That's real. They have a love for God, but that's a big difference, a life-changing. There's a life-changing Grand Canyon between having a love for God and having the love of God. Only the love of God bridges the chasm and puts you back on the other side in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. With the, you know, go, go to God for that experience. And I would say it is an experience. And go to God for that experience. Don't go to God for some preconceived experience. Go to God with your mind made up that I want to be changed. I want to be, be a brand new person. And go to him for that experience. And don't stop till you get it. And you might get it in five minutes. Or it might take you five hours or five days. But don't stop. Until something has changed you from the inside out. And then whatever manifestation that brings to God be the glory. Why is that so complicated? 
I've never understood that. Why do we see such a thrust on our young people to have some type of emotional experience? and, And I'm not against praying to speak in tongues. That's the Bible. I'm not against seeking to know God in those kinds of ways. I love them. I get to experience it every time I preach. I'm in another world. Even if I walk out here sick, I suddenly feel like a million bucks. It doesn't even matter. And I'm here to tell you, I know what it is to be in the presence of God. But, but that presence of God comes and goes. I, you're going to want to live in his presence always. You're going to want to have something down inside of you that not only has a love for God, but loves his word and loves to keep it and wants to keep it and are sad when you don't keep it. See? So go to God for that experience. With the love of God living in your heart by a new birth, you can serve the Lord with your whole soul and you can overcome the sinful world. That's how you'll know you've been changed. I'm preaching about life by natural causes and it caused me to to think of the term death by natural causes. And I did a little bit of research, not being a medical professional, but there's plenty of good sources and I've used them before and uh, there's Mayo and there's John Hopkins and different things, and, and you, can, you can verify all this yourself. But, you know, what is the meaning? Now, catch it because I'm going to use a contrast, okay? Uh, I'm using a contrast, death by natural causes, all right? So, what is the broad meaning of the term death by natural causes? And that is a very broad, much broader than I thought it was. But when, when death is attributed to natural causes, it generally means that the person died from, you know, died from a, a medical condition or even perhaps an illness rather than some external factor like homicide or suicide or an accident. You weren't killed, see. But actually, it can include diseases, see, and organ failure and other internal conditions. Basically, natural causes are medical conditions that arise naturally in the body and progress to the point of death as opposed to an external force causing the death. And as I said, and and this is what I found, that it's a a bit of a broad category, but it basically rules out unnatural causes like homicide, suicide, or accidents. So, so then we ask ourselves, and I, I thought about this. You know, I thought about, Brother Branham talks about Brother Bosworth, and he died healthy, 88 years old. John Wesley, the same thing. He didn't have anything, no diseases, nothing was wrong with him. Brother Branham heard he's dying, and he races and almost wears his tires out, getting there and bursts in, Brother Bosworth, what's wrong? Nothing. Well, they said, you're dying. Well, I can't die. I died years ago. He said, Billy, I'm just going home. That's it. I'm just going home. See? So, so he just died of old age. And what, what would the medical community call that when someone dies and there are no medical problems and there are no external forces causing their death? And so there really isn't a, a specific term for dying of old age. But doctors will sometimes use the phrase death by natural causes in cases where there's no specific medical condition to point to. Essentially, they're saying that the person simply died because they were old and their body couldn't maintain itself anymore. 
right? And they have a term for this. Sometimes it's called old age senescence, or I didn't know what that meant, but it's old age frailty. And so it just means that the person's body simply wore out and couldn't keep going. Uh, It can be, uh, one source said it can be the result of gradual deterioration of body systems like the heart or lungs, or it could be because the person was no longer able to fend off infections or maintain proper nutrition. The person died as a result of the natural aging process. It's actually quite common, but not easily defined, and is considered a natural part of the life cycle. Amen? Amen? So I, I thought to myself how remarkable it is that with all of our scientific knowledge and advancements that we have, there's still this gray area, this murkiness, when it comes to explaining death in old age. They don't understand, you know, and, and, and it's like our bodies have an expiration date that we can't quite pinpoint. But, but, but I thought to myself, well, then what would life be by natural causes? Brother Jason, isn't that your title? Why are you, it's getting morbid. You're talking about death. I thought your, your title was life by natural causes. Yes, and, and, and that works great. Life works great up until you're about 25. Remember Brother Branham, you know, and he started, he, he asked Dr. Sam Adair, who was a good friend of his, and we, uh, we had dealings there when I was a boy growing up. I think Sam was still alive. How long did, or I think Sister Jean, I don't know if she's here today, but, uh, but, but I, we, we knew uh, Dr. Sam. So, so he asked him, he said, you know, you, you, uh, he said, Sam, he said, how is it that I, I, up until I was 25, I ate carrots and potatoes and beef and chicken and, and I drank water and put all these nutrients and vegetables. And he said, and it kept building blood cells and I kept getting stronger and I kept getting stronger. And I kept growing, kept growing. He said, and then I passed 25 and he said, I'm still eating the same chicken and beef and corn and potatoes and carrots and I'm still doing the same thing, but I'm dying Now I'm putting it in. It's like I'm pouring it in a glass and it's just running out faster than I can pour it in. And and Dr. Adair told him, said, well, Billy, if we could answer that, we'd understand the medical secret of life itself. See? So, So you find that that with a good diet and physical fitness, you can slow its effect and improve your quality of life while you're aging, but you're still moving on. It's hard for young people to get their mind around that. But as you get older, you start thinking about that. And I, I, I know there will be a people who are, uh, will be alive and remain when Christ comes and they'll never see death in the body. And, 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 I'm, and I'm trying to get there myself. And I hope to. I'd love to be alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. See? But, uh, but, but you know, I, I know that I'm, I'm living my last promise ten. You know, the promised 70, I'm in my last 10 if I live all the way out to the promise, and I might exceed that. My dad did, my mom has, my brother didn't. See, I know many a 16-year-old never made it to 17. Many famous people, they just had a famous one in the news recently, dead at 50. Another one, another one, another one. This famous movie star, this famous sports star, this famous person, this politician. And they lived out their whole life and ran like crazy and then they died. As Mahalia Jackson said, what then? What then? What are you gonna do then? When the preacher, when you've heard the preacher preach the last sermon you'll hear, what then? 
You know, when, when, when everything is finished and it's all said and done, what then? See, and so a lot of times they don't, they don't think enough ahead. You know, I, I was showing you here uh, server service or so ago that I mean 70 years is only 3,600 weeks, a little over 3,652 weeks. I mean, what's 3,600 weeks? It was just last week, the other day. And, and weeks go by like that. And you only get 3,600 of them. What are you doing with your life? See, so, you know, what if you didn't need to worry about an expiration date? Oh, some expiration date of my body. I don't have to worry about it because I'll, I'll, I'll try to stay fit. I'll try to stay healthy. That way I improve my quality of life, but I'm not worried about it's going to finally go down to the ground because there's an inner life in me, a different me uh, that's far more real, far more important, and that, and that me is, is being purged of death and is being filled up with life. Hallelujah, I'm trying to fill this body with life, but it's full of death. But I got an inner man that I'm filling it up with life and it's pushing death aside. Hallelujah. Even as your flesh is is aging out, you've started moving forward to more life every day. Amen, it's reversing course. When I thought about it like that, then I take the words of the Lord in the 10th chapter of Matthew. Fear none of them which kill the body, but are able to kill the soul. Uh, but are not able, I'm sorry, let me read it again. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. You don't fear that. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I'm going to tell you something, friends. I decided to stop dying and start living. That's why I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And now I'm a human being and I might be dying of natural causes, but I'm also living by a new natural cause. I've had a nature change and no one forces me to live like a Christian should. I'm living by natural causes. When my mind was enmity against God, if yours is still enmity against God, you're not living by, you're not living eternal life by natural causes. You're forcing yourself to do it in legalism. But when you're born again now, although this flesh is still perishing, I don't live after the life of the outer man. I live after the life of the inward man. See, you, 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 I mean, listen, this is why we have the promises of God. You can't effectively work uh, effectively for the Lord if you're sick. And so I am the God that healeth all thy diseases. If you're sick in your body, if you're sick, you can't effectively serve, serve God with a nervous breakdown. I, I think of Sister Brenda Lewis when she wrote, we've got rights in the Holy Spirit. You've been given full authority in his name. There's no time now left for crying. There's no time left now for crying. And it's a shame to complain. Kick the devil off of your mountain. You're predestined and ordained. Don't you know that you're a soldier in the army of the king? That's an end time word that Sister Brenda gave the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
when we come to, I want to turn the corner and race for home. You still good? You know, when Paul comes to our text in, in Philippians 4, where we were previously, and I'm not going to reread it, but where we were, rejoice in the Lord always. Remember I say rejoice, let your gentleness and the Lord is at hand and all of that. Be anxious for nothing. Uh, the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Remember that? Remember us reading that? So when, when we're looking at it like this, you know, Paul literally gave the, the, the church real ammunition, you know, real positive exhortations. They, they all result in the maintenance of peace in the body so the, so the saints can work together effectively as partners in the gospel because that's what you're called to. See, and, and that's what the new birth brings you into, a partnership. You were heirs of God, but now you're joint heirs with Christ. You're a partaker. See, you're a partaker. You get me? So, so we find then that, that he gives these five positive exhortations in our reading, and we're not going to go back and try to break it all down, but, but just I want to say this statement again. They result in the maintaining of peace in your life. If you're born again by the Spirit of God, there's a way to keep peace in your life. There's, and I'm talking about in your body and healing in your body and healing in your mind. And, and that way you can work effectively as partners in the gospel, even in, even in the midst of unbelief, even in the midst of Satan's Eden. See, God hasn't left us without a remedy. So, I mean, you have, goodness, we have what they had. We have the antagonism of unbelievers. We have the woke community against us. If, 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 if we went out here on the street trying to preach some of the things that I'm preaching in my pulpit, I got a little bit of protection here. The law will allow us to preach it here and not allow them to come in here and try to disrupt us. And if they do, Brother Luther and Brother Tony will drag them out legally. See? But now if I go down on the public street and start doing this, then they've got a right to stand on the other corner and hold up their signs. See? And so... So and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. We've held outdoor meetings and might again. But uh, the point I'm making is that there's a, an antagonism of unbelievers in the world on the outside. And we, you can't escape that. And it, it's just here. It's Satan's Eden. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. See? I mean, it's, it's bad enough. Let me say this now. And I'm probably going to quieten you down with this one. But it, it's bad enough that we have antagonism from without uh, among unbelievers. But then, you know, you have the attacks from legalists on the inside. Amen. I mean, right in, right in the ranks of God's family. Thankfully, we've cut the head of that thing off at Bethel Tabernacle years ago, and then it took me many more years to get it purged out of the bloodstream. That's why we have a church that just schism can never get started here. Say, better be careful. The devil will hear that. He already knows it. He already knows we're lovers of the word, that we're all together. We're all in this together. He already knows it's all for one and one for all. That's how we roll. 
That's my speech that everybody gets when they're going to think about moving here is you better be real because if you're not, Bethel will see right through it and you'll never fit in. Just let your hair down, take your facade off and just be who you are. We'll love you. We'll respect you. If you've got problems, we'll pray with you. we got problems too. Pretense, we hate that here. See? And so you've got antagonism from the, believing, the unbelieving world outside. You get attacks from legalists on the inside. We have the shame that we have to bear uh, from irresponsible, supposed to be fervent believers who live in open carnality. Told you'd get quiet. Sure. I have the antagonism of believers. Um, I have the antagonism of unbelievers outside. Our ranks, the attacks from legalists on the inside, the shame that we have to bear from irresponsible, supposed to be fervent believers who live in open carnality, and as if stupidity hasn't reached its height, posted online for the world to see. I'm going to say like Brother Donnie, some people are too dumb to be on Facebook. That's amusing, but it's the truth. They bring shame on the gospel, bring shame on Jesus personally, who has done so much for them. That's that's how I get when I have brought shame on the Lord. When I have lived carnally, I say, Lord, how can you even still love me? You've done so much for me. Do you ever feel like that, friends? You just say, Lord, I'm so sorry for my carnality. You've done so much for me. So then, of course, you you get Satan always trying to stir up friction among members in a church. You're always going to have that. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, 5, we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. So Paul's remedy was then, as it is now, Rejoice in the Lord. That's where we read in Philippians. Verse, in fact, is if you go home today and you read verse 8, where we didn't read, but it, the opening word is finally. So I realized that the context of, verse, of verses 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 are, are, are the Holy Spirit emphasizing this is what you're going to need to do, especially when it's finally especially when you're at the end time, you're going to need to rejoice in the Lord always. See? So these are ingredients for overcoming the darkness at the end time. Rejoice in the Lord always. You can't, listen, you can't do that with the, you you, you know, you can't do that without the life-sustaining presence of God in your heart. It's impossible. Sister Hope, you all have a safe trip. God bless you. They're having to leave early. Jeff, good to have you, buddy. God bless you. I've got to catch flight. <clears throat> There's no way. Rejoice always in the Lord, always. There's no way to, to, to do that without the life-sustaining presence of God in your heart. It's impossible, friends. You can't hold up. You, you can't keep the, you know, you, 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 get, you get like, you see, you see this happen to people where, if you look in the book of Revelation, this is off, off the beaten path today. I was covering this on my recent Bible study online. That when you look at the church ages, you found that, that that white horse rider showed up with deceit in that first age. 
And they were aimed at, but then they relaxed and they lost their first love. So that was the first effect of the deception. They lost their first love. And then the next, the next church age, which was Smyrna, meant bitterness. And then the third church age, Pergam, meant married. See? And so it's just like in the Garden of Eden. You have Eve and she's already got a husband, but Satan deceives her into taking a different husband. And sometimes, and that's what happens in churches, that, that people, they, they come to Christ thinking that this is really him, and then they find out that they believe some denominational theory that doesn't add up, and the Holy Ghost won't have nothing to do with it. And then what happens? They, 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 they realize they've never came to Christ in a new birth. They've, they're married to some other guy they thought was Jesus. You remember Paul said that was his fear, that you would follow another Jesus whom I have not preached? And they they end up with a false Jesus and then what happens? They get bitter. They get disillusioned. They lose their first love. They get angry. They get resentful. And the next thing you know, they're off marrying somebody else in adultery. There's no way to sustain it, friends. You've got to have the life-giving stream of the Holy Ghost down in your heart. You must be born again. See, and that, that's exactly why you have the world, uh, you, you know, the, the world's view when they would say, rejoice always? Really? You know, what, what, an, what an absurd notion. You're going to rejoice even in, bapti- in bad times? And to them, it's almost preposterous given the realities of what they see on the news. Well, I see what they see on the news, but I still rejoice always. I know the world thinks I'm nuts and that's okay because the, I've got the comfort of the Holy Spirit and that is a fuel to my faith. We've got the shout of a king in the camp. I know the world is falling apart, but I've got a king in the camp. I've got the love that passes all understanding. I've got peace in my heart. Prophecy shows us that at this time, Satan's Eden the mind that, 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 as I said earlier, you also have the mind of God. The mind that was in Christ Jesus is given to his family to sustain them. I hope I've made my case today. I'm going to finish it with two Psalms. Sister Esther, let's first start in Psalms 37. I'm going to finish today with, with these two Psalms. And then we've got a, a baptism today. <clears throat> Now watch, let me show you the real strength of letting the mind which was in Christ be in you. Verse 4 through 11, Psalms 37, 4 to 11. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy ways unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You're suffering from sickness, suffering from anxiety, suffering from nervousness. Just find rest right here. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth for yet a little while and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place and it shall not 
not be, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Psalms 94, verse 16 to 19. I think we have Eugene Peterson's message translation. I'm going to need that after we read the King James in, in Psalms 94. First, the King James, 90, Psalms 94, 16 to 19. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the works of iniqu- workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help. Can you, can you say amen? amen? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelled in silence. When I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Eugene Peterson's translation called The Message reads it like this. Yeah, um, Psalms 94, 16 to 19 in the, in the message translation. Wait for you to get it up so they can read it with me. All right. Who stood up for me against the wicked? Who took my side against evil workers? If God hadn't been there for me, I never would have made it. Don't live apart from the Holy Ghost, friends. If God had not been there for me, I never would have made it. The minute I said, I'm slipping, I'm falling, your love, God, took hold and held me fast. When I was upset and beside myself, you calmed me down and cheered me up. (laughs) Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what I desire, friends. Stand to your feet. That's what I desire. Anthony, bring your team and let me get uh, some help up here uh, with uh, getting our baptismal ready. Amen. Oh, if the Lord had not been my helper... I wouldn't have made it. How many times have you ever been one of those and you cried out to God, I'm slipping. I can't hold on. And somehow a hand out of nowhere comes. Oh, you'll be all right. I got you, child. Oh, the love of God. How rich and pure. My goodness, friends. You love the Lord. Amen. So, you're, 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 so here, here's where your options lie this morning. You either have one that's inescapable uh, and, and one that's escapable too. The inescapable one is that if you stay in the life you're born with, you die. And you're, you're going to die of natural causes. Or you might get taken out by an accident or some, something gets you killed. But you know something, friends? And I mean, listen, I mean, I might die tomorrow. My body might lay down and stop functioning. But I'll be alive when it happens. <laughs> Amen. I'll be alive when that happens. It, it, when a believer lays down and their body can no longer support their life for natural or unnatural reasons, sickness or accidents, oh my, when, that, when this body sheds, I'll still be alive. Amen. So you can, either, you can either die by natural causes or you can live by natural causes. But, but to live by natural causes, you've got to have the life of God in your heart. Because the nature you're born with is no good. You're dying. Let's bow our heads. Father, I've so enjoyed bringing this thought today. It's been a long time coming, and I've been thinking about it for quite a while. And I, 
I really feel like that the Holy Spirit guided it along, and I believe it was received, Father, with open hearts and minds. Now, Lord, maybe there's someone here who would just say, Brother Jason, I, uh, I, I do have a love for God, but I'm not so sure that I have the love of God. And I want you to pray that the Lord will move me in that direction. You want to raise up your hand to the Lord right now? Say, Father, move me in that direction where I don't just have a love for you, but I, have a, I actually have your love. I have your life. The Bible says that the love of God is poured into us by the Holy Ghost. That's the only way it comes, friends. Young people, heads bowed. If you are wondering today, do I have it? How do I know I have it? Don't, don't chase some preconceived notion. Stop chasing that. You need an experience, but the experience that you need is to come to God. That's part of your experience. Come to God and say, Lord, change my whole life. Change my whole heart. Make me a new creation in Christ Jesus. I repent of all my sins, all my life. I don't want to be me anymore. I want to be you. I want you to live inside my heart. The Lord will do that, young person. You don't have to come and look for some preconceived, whatever, however, however God, whatever happens to you at that initial moment, and it might surprise you, but somewhere down the road, you might experience some of those things you were chasing at the initial moment, but the Lord has a life-changing experience ready for you if you're ready to accept it. You don't have to fret over it or struggle. All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ Repent of all your sins. Take his name. Take his life. Let him be the Lord of all your life. May, allow him to completely change you totally from the inside out. The Lord is faithful to do that. Oh my. And then you're talking about feelings and sensations that can come on as you grow in, as you grow in Christ. As you learn to draw near and your prayer life increases and you just get lost in the Lord. Oh, every day the sun is brighter. Every day the breezes are warmer. Every day you're closer to Zion than when you first begun. The love you have for God down the road is almost incomparable Lord, to, to love that you had at that initial moment. Loving the Lord is the most beautiful thing. Having the love of God in your life and the beauty of holiness. Having a sanctified mind and a clean heart something. Yes, you still have a weaknesses in your flesh, but now you've got a strength that can overcome them. All you got to do is grow it. All you got to do is build it. All you got to do is add to it, strengthen it. The Lord, the Holy Ghost feeds on the Word of God. Draw yourself into His presence daily. Love Him without reservation. Don't hold back. If you hold back anything in your repentance, He will not seal you. He absolutely will not. You cannot, you cannot come to him 99%. You have to have 100% repentance or, or all the devil will do is he'll just back into his castle, roll up his drawbridge and wait you out. And that one little percent that you left there unsurrendered to God, when it's all said and done and the, the music is ended and the hoopla's over and you're no longer excited, He'll just lower his drawbridge, walk right back across and start on that one point you left uncommitted to God and he'll just build his whole kingdom right back from that. It's gotta be repentance, thorough, complete repentance. 
You've got to mean business with God that you are no longer wanting to be of this world. You want to be a Christian full of the faith and virtue of the Holy Ghost. It's a definite experience and you can have it today. Lord, I pray, having delivered this message, I feel the Holy Spirit has delivered it clearly, unambiguously. And Lord, I pray that you will now move on hearts and minds. If anyone who doesn't know you in the power of your resurrection, may they know you that way today. Not only in your power, but your power and your resurrection. May they know you in that way today. The fellowship of your sufferings, being made conformable unto your death. That way, Lord, they can die like you died and be resurrected like you were resurrected. That's really the short and simple way to explain it. That's why we baptize, Lord. That's why we're baptizing a young man today, Lord, for that very reason, to symbolize his, com his complete death and burial and, and raised up in resurrection power in the strength. It's a testimony of, of work that you have already done in his life. This is a public testimony. We commit it now to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing, Brother Tony. Born again is really been a change in me. Born again just like Jesus said. Born again and all because of kindness. down right there. No, step all the way down. Oh, I'm okay. Okay. All right, go ahead and sit down. No, sit down. Okay, there you go. All right. Praise the Lord. You know, I was thinking about you and your confession to the Lord and what me and you talked about. And, uh, you know, you told me, you said, you know, Papa, I already got baptized years ago, but even then, I knew it was just something I should do, and I'm a, I'm a different person now. Remember that? How do you feel about it now? Your life committed to the Lord completely. Amen. So you're coming to be rebaptized. You better sit forward. You're going to crack your noggin. Yeah, there you go. Overgrown young man. Potato eating outfit. Corn fed. <laughs> Amen. I love God's family, don't you? Amen. Amen. And this is, this, is, this is one of those things where, you know, as a young man, he loved the Lord. People love God. But you remember, that's different from having the love of God. Now he went from just loving God to now having the love of God and has committed his heart. Amen. And amen. I, I think it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. 
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love of God that has been shed abroad in this young man's heart. We thank you, Lord God, that you've already begun that work in him, that work of the Holy Spirit. And it's already building and growing, Lord. It's been, it's been that way for the last while. And he, he felt on his heart, this, you having done that, he wanted to come back again and be re-baptized. Uh, a, 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 a new way, a new testimony before the world to say that, yes, he's loved God and believed God for a long time, but now he's a new creation in Christ Jesus, growing in the stature of the fullness of God. Not a statue, Lord. We're not looking to build statues. I've had enough of them. We're looking to build the stature, to be, as the prophet said, the living tabernacle of the living God's presence. I thank you for the Holy Ghost in his life. I thank you for that day on Calvary. I thank you, Lord, that he stopped running. He described it, Lord, to me like that. He just felt like he was just running. And you finally just chased him and chased him. And he knew you were chasing him and he tried to run faster. And you finally just conked him, knocked him down. And he said, I just stuck out my hands like, put the cuffs on, I'm tired of running. I thank you for that day, Lord. I pray now, Lord, that he will be a, continue to be a light, Lord, to his peers and those around him. <clears throat> You've made him, Lord, a, a leader among his friends. And I pray that you will continue now to grow that relationship. We commit him into your hands now in the name of Jesus Christ. Gideon, once more, I baptize you very happily. You can cover your nose if you want. And, uh, and I'll put my hand over that. Take you down right back up. Brother Gideon, we baptize you with joy in our hearts in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, got to go down again. I see some hair still dry. Go down again. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. 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 Let's sing, Brother Tony. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Well, bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Well, bless that wonderful name of Jesus. There is no other name I know. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus, well, bless that wonderful name of Jesus. 
There 